Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a special Matt Chat interview with the longtime coach from Bergen Catholic High School in New Jersey, Mr. David Bell. Coach, your reputation for success and integrity precedes you. Thank you so much for coming on the show. David, thank you very much for the kind words. It's, it's a pleasure being on the show. Thank you. So, first of all, tell me and the listeners a little bit about the success that Bergen Catholic has had under your guidance uh, you know, in terms of individual state medalists and champions and team state placements as well. I've been fortunate to coach at Bergen Catholic for the last 18 years. Um, during my tenure, uh, we reached the parochial team state finals 13 times, and we've won eight state championships. And uh, as of this past, we've won the past six years consecutively. Um, we've been ranked as high as three and four from the country, depending on the poll. Um, individually, um, we've had 16 state champions, and that's including multiple state champions. You know, there are multiple championships. Sure. And over 60 place finishers. Uh, that's really incredible, no matter what state that would be. But just to remind everyone, New Jersey is a one-class <laughs> state. So there's only one team that can say they're the state, the state champion every year. And how many high school wrestlers or how many schools, excuse me, actually compete in New Jersey? Uh, about 350, give or take, um, about 32 non-public schools. Um, prep schools like Blair, um, St. Benedict's um, do not participate in the NGSIIAA. Right. So they, they, they compete in the national preps, correct? They can, they can right, they have their own state tournament and then the prep tournament, although we, we do wrestle them during the year. Sure. And, but, I mean, I think your, your national – Ranking speaks speaks to the success of the program. So, who are some of the athletes that have gone on to compete in compete in college? Excuse me, that some people may know. Well, over the years, um, you know, we've had wrestlers in every division one, two, and three. Um, it, it's really been in the past five or six years that that numbers in, increased significantly. Um, at Rutgers, presently, I mean, right now with Nick there. We have five wrestlers on the on the Rutgers roster: Joe Grello, Kevin Mulligan, Jordan Pagano, um, Peter Lapari. We have Johnny Sebastian at Northwestern. Um, we have another wrestler, Evan Quinn, at uh, at Campbell. And our senior class this year, we have commits to um, UPenn, Carmen Ferrante. He was a third in the state. Shane Griffith, um, three-time state finalist, two-time state champ, to Stanford. Uh, Gerard Angelo, uh, he's a first, second, and third in the state, um, is um, verbally committed to Cornell. So you have kids really going all over the country and really to some of the best academic institutions in the country as, as well as athletic. Right. We're, we're very proud of that. We've had wrestlers represented at Brown, at Columbia, um, uh United States Military Academy at West Point, um, Annapolis. So that's you know, something that we, you know, we pride ourselves in. Yeah, definitely. It's something to be proud of for sure. So one of your most successful athletes, uh, especially at the high school level, because, you know, the jury's out in, in college so far, is Nick Suriano. And, I, you know, my research, I think he was 159-0 in high school, and a four, obviously that makes him a four-time undefeated state champion. So just a couple questions about that. How many undefeated four-time state champs has New Jersey had? And, and what kind of kid and team leader and competitor is Nick? <clears throat> New Jersey's had 
two four-time undefeated state champions, um, Nick and Anthony Ashnell. Now they're, they're both, uh, they're both together on the same team. What really, um, makes a great statement about Nick is that his 159-0 record included, um, four, four beasts of these championships, um, two Doc Buchanan championships. Uh, he, we wrestled in the clash. Um, we wrestled, uh, national powers like Blair and Sem. And in his, you know, in his, throughout his, all of those matches, um, he'd given up one takedown. That was the only points, offensive points scored on him in high school. Holy cripes. So literally no reversals, no near falls, just escapes. Yeah, just, um, wow. just cutting his man to take him down. Wow. It, it, I mean, so obviously as a wrestler, that's, you know, just that speaks volumes. What kind of team leader was he for your program? I tell people all the time that as, as impressive as his career was on the mat, um, to see him in practice, to see him um, to really open up and to wrestle and to wrestle a, a, an array of talented kids on the team and just be dominant and and give it a complete effort every day. Um, he was just hyper-focused, intense. Um, every practice was a maximum effort. And he was always prepared and ready to go for practice. There was never a minute off or a day off. Um, for his teammates, um, he had partners that he really appreciated, and he would take the time, and you know, and he would work with his teammates. You know, I, I would see that Nick. Mm-hmm. So he he had concern for his teammates. Um, when he spoke to them, you know, he he commanded respect. Um, you know, and one another thing about Nick was it was kind of uncanny. Like he would, he was at such a level, um, and he would woodshed the whole summer he'd go and he'd work um it wasn't really um you know an advocate of going out to the national tournaments three-star tournaments but then he would come back and you would wonder how he could get better and he would you know he would jump levels every year those are dream kids kids that are that good athletically and have leadership and are and sounds like really really low maintenance so it was, you, you put Nick in the room and, you know, he, he raised the level of the room. And getting him out of the room was a tough thing. You know, it would be an hour after practice and he'd still be going. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I coached college for 20 years and there's a handful of guys I can say that are like that in, in every aspect, like you're saying. So let, let's talk about a little bit about his season this year at Penn State. Now, obviously it was a great one. He, ended, he beat Darian Cruz, the eventual champion, eight to nothing. His only loss came to now world silver medalist Thomas Gilman, 3-2 to two at Carver Hawkeye Arena. And then he got injured during the Oklahoma State duel versus Nick Piccinini and, and obviously was unable to compete the rest of the season. What was the extent of the injury as far as you know? When I, I watched the Piccinini match, we watched together, the coaching staff. Sure. And when he got up and he was hobbling, um, I, you know, my first – my first thought my, and my hope was that it was a sprain. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I, through four years, you know, of, of college and I'm four years of high school and the level of competition, you know, Nick, I don't think he had sustained, he hadn't sustained any injuries. Like he was, um, not even, a, not even a sprain, um, nothing significant. So, 
you know, I, I was really hoping that it wasn't um, anything that was career or season ending. You know, as time went by, the speculation was that it was more serious as he was missing matches. And we communicated through that period um, through text messages. And he was very quiet and guarded about the extent of the injury. And he didn't want anyone to really, he wanted to get out just sure. you know, Makes what, sense, what right? had happened. Yeah. And it wasn't until um, the weekend of the New Jersey State tournament, the individual tournament, um, which was the same weekend as the conference tournament, college conference tournaments, that um, a doctor that had seen Nick, and he's the state doctor, um, you know, he, he works the tournament, told me the extent that it, that it was a break. So I, I didn't find out until that time. So it was a, basically a hairline, or maybe not a hairline, but a fracture of, of his ankle, correct? Yeah, I wish I could name the bone for you, but I'm, I'm not certain. It's but it okay. Was, yeah. None of us need to play doctor on the radio, so that's fine. Okay. So <laughs> um, my under, and then, then the big news, you know, as, as a result of that is that um, Nick is now transferring to Rutgers, as you mentioned. He'll be teammates with Anthony Ashnault. And he received his his Big Ten release, so he's immediately eligible. Um, I've, I've made some calls, and my understanding is that when a waiver is requested, both sides present their case in a written format. There are no interviews or personal interaction, and then a committee makes a decision on whether or not to grant the waiver. Is that your understanding of the process as well? Yes, that's how it was explained to me. Um, I don't think either side see it. They just it's just presented, and then. Then the, um, you know, the, uh, the judgment comes. And I don't know if there's a discussion afterwards. You know, if then the waivers, are, you know, then the statements are shared. But that's pretty much how I understand it. Right. And we did attempt to, to get this information and it is, it's not public, it's private. So, um, from your understanding, what was the position the Suriano family took when presenting their waiver request? Uh, I I believe um, that you know my understanding, and from what other people have said, is that it's centered around the injury and the way the injury was addressed. And that was what was being called in the question. Yeah, when you say how the injury was addressed, what what specifically was their cause for the waiver? Um, I I would have to um, I'm assuming here, and I have to think the you know whether. Um, how suggested treatment and, um, you know, whether or not they agree with that suggested treatment. And I, I guess the end result is, you know, not being able to compete in the tournament and would one treatment have been more or one course of action have been more, um, you know, had been, would have been more successful. What, what treatments, uh, that what treatments were used or attempted for, by Penn State for Nick during the injury time? Uh, I, I, you know, I think surgery was discussed. Um, surgery was was um, was I guess not considered a, an option. And then I guess there was treatment. I would I would assume that the Penn State um, doctors and trainers were looking at were looking after it. Um, I do think Nick came home and saw uh, his physician, and they had a look at it. So I guess rehab, and and hoping like right to the last minute that you know 
he would have the the ankle would be solid enough to go. So your understanding is not only did he visit with the school or team doctor, but also his personal doctor as well. And ultimately, the decision was made to not have surgery. And then, you know, as a result, when they're presenting their waiver, they're saying that maybe surgery or, or some other course of action might have been more productive for Nick and his ability to compete in the Big Ten and the Nationals. Yeah, that's what, you know, and that's, that area is, is a gray area. I don't know, like, the specifics of of how the family felt, what the discussions were exactly. Um, so I think that's that's the point of contention. Sure. And what position did Penn State and, and Coach Sanderson and his staff take? <clears throat> uh, in in the waiver, in, in terms of the yes, waiver? Yeah, in terms of what the, what they presented. On. Um, I I don't know, you know, I, I truthfully I, I don't know what stance they took, um, except that they were standing by whatever you know the Big Ten rule was with an in, intra-conference transfer, you know the 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 loss of you know not being able to compete that year and then the loss of a year of eligibility. Sure. Um, I, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh no. So I and I. You know, I, I, I don't think Coach Sanders said that was, I don't think his intent was to penalize Nick in, in any way, shape, or form. I think anybody and, that's met Kale would probably agree with that statement, sure. And I believe that throughout, throughout the process, um, the, the door was open. I, I think Coach Sanderson would have really have loved to, for Nick to come back. And my feeling was it was more than just, um, a need, a team need. You know, I, I think as as a competitor and as a coach, and I think any any coach who you know it's a passion and you care about your athletes, and even if things sort of um, relationships start to go wrong and there's misunderstandings, um, you know you want to you want to right those situations and and for the good of the athlete, you know, and for the health of the relationship. So I think that's where he was at, and I think he was kind of perplexed by the whole thing and, you know, just really wanted to see Nick get back and be on track and and uh, and go win three national championships. Yeah, I, I want to expand on that a little bit because I think that's really important. And, and I know you're, this is just, you know, you're saying this is your position or opinion, but you're saying that from your conversations or tech messages with Nick and or the Penn State coaching staff that you felt like Kale not only wanted Nick back, obviously, because of how good he is and what weight he's at, but more so just because of the relationship that coaches build with their athletes and that he wanted him to be able to continue to strive for the goals that he signed up for in the recruiting process. Is Am I understanding what you said correctly? Uh, yes, I think I, that's 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 what I that that was my takeaway. Uh, the cynics will say that they just needed a twenty-five pounder, and they're looking at the bigger picture. And I'm, you know, in any coach, you know, it, you know, if I'm losing a Nick Soriano and I'm thinking about our schedule and what our team objectives are, you know, it's it's going to hurt, and I'm not going to want to lose him, but. I really do think, you know, it was it was a lot more than that. I, I think there was an emotional investment 
and you know, and the times that I did speak to Kale while Nick was there, you know, he they were just impressed with him. How could you not be impressed with him? I mean, think of you know, if you look at the flow interviews and you just and Zane Rutherford, um, after he won his the US Open, they asked who was the strongest wrestler you you know, you've ever wrestled and it it wasn't any opponent in his weight, it was Nick Soriano. At the national tournament, you know, Nick came out to center mat and they handed him the trophy. You know, I think those things speak volumes about. Yeah, they do. You know, that, a, about the respect and, you know, certainly earned because, you know, as I stated earlier, when you, you cannot help, but, you know, whether Nick walks into a weight room or into a wrestling room and you see him train, um, it's, it's, it's something to, you know, it's rare, as, as you stated earlier, and you take notice and you respect that. And one other thing, you know, about Nick, you know, he, you know, he lives, you know, he lives the life of, you know, of, of an elite athlete. You know, he, he, he's, he's meticulous with taking care of his body, training, you know, getting the proper rest, getting the proper training. Um, you know, there's there's no wiggle room there. You know, he's he's you know, it's he's a special individual. He's an all in kind of kid. Really all, yeah. all in. Yeah. Well, and obviously that that Penn State wrestling room is full of champions, you know, literally five this year and the coaching staff and not just not just, which is an amazing thing, NCA champions, but world and Olympic champions in there. So for Zane to say what he said and for them to hand him the trophy speaks, like you said, really speaks volumes to not only who Nick is, but how he was perceived by that program. So, and I know, you know, from our discussion earlier and just from us talking off air, I know how many kids you've sent to colleges and universities over the years. Um, how were Kale Sanderson and the Penn State staff to deal with um, in the the original recruiting process of Nick, his time there, and specifically, what were they like this summer and early fall as Nick and his family were making this decision? When <clears throat> I'll tell a uh, kind of humorous anecdote, I was I was shopping. I was it was it was Easter break. We have a long Easter break, and I had to do some work around the house. And I was shopping at Lowe's, and I, I felt my text go off, and I had one of the representatives there telling me what I needed. And I got a text like, hey, coach, you practicing today? You know, I'd like to stop by. And it was Kels Anderson. And I said, wait a minute. I was telling the guy, you, you got to stop. You got to just hold, just hold on here. And then I text back. I said, you know, well, we're in the summer, but, you know, I can get, you know, if, if you want to come out and see a workout, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll get a workout together. And, sure you will. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And then, and then I went home and, uh, you know, he said, well, I'll call you later. And I went home. My wife came home from work. I said, listen, <laughs> I don't want to hear anything. I'm going to go in the back room. I'm going to, I'm going to get on this. You know, it was like, and then he calls, he came out and, um, watched Nick work and he came out with Casey Cunningham mm-hmm. and it was, just, it was around beat the streets. So there were coaches, you know, so there were coaches around and it just, Timing was right, mm-hmm. and sure. uh, and they just watched Nick work, and that was you get to see the smile on their face. Like he was, he was the real deal. And then throughout the process, 
Um, you know, he was humble, you know, gracious, magnanimous. Um, he would, he would come from time to time to observer practice. Um, always entering before, I mean, we're after, just after it started and leaving before, um, we finished. Um, so really respectful you know, just, of your time and not trying to be a distraction. It sounds like very, you're right. Very respectful of our time and, you know, and of our kids. It was a, it was a very comfortable, you know, type of situation, you know, and throughout, you know, and the one thing that he, he did tell me, um, in, in the process, like when it was getting towards the commitment stage with that, you know, he had never worked so hard to recruit one athlete. You know, that's how highly, you know, he thought of Nick. That says a lot concerning the blue chippers that he's had over the years, you know, from, well, I don't want to leave anybody out, but, you know, the most latest one being, you know, the number one kid in the country out of his class, a guy like Mark Hall. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I think people that have had the pleasure of meeting Kale, he really is a soft-spoken guy. And it really, you know, recruiting is not a soft-spoken business. You know, you kind of got to get after it a little bit. So it's, you know, his method is, is certainly unique. So, I guess an important question to me is, you know, if you had a kid or will have kids that were interested in going in Penn State, going to Penn State, does this situation in any way change, or is it possible even strengthen the uh, the admiration or respect you have for Penn State? And would you feel comfortable sending guys there? It's it certainly strengthens the admiration I have. You know, here's, you know, Kel Sanderson, a wrestler of his stature and the, the program that he's built. And, you know, in, in speaking to him, it's, again, it's, 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 it's a very, you know, I, I don't feel like I'm being spoken down to. I feel like it's, I'm speaking to a peer or just, just, just a very decent person. Um, my, my concern, more of my concern is, will he, you know, look to Bergen Catholic or other schools in New Jersey and, Think about, you know, I, I was burned once and I'm going to proceed with caution. You know, I think I'm not, I don't want to speak for, I'll just generalize. I think in terms like coaches can, maybe they have a bad experience with a school or a coach and they think twice about going after one of those athletes. Say, so, you know, last time I recruited a kid from this school, it didn't work. You know, last time I recruited a kid from that state, um, it didn't work. So I'm hoping that, you know, relationships and, you know, as a coach, and as we spoke off there, you've been coaching for many years. You know, you can feel you've done everything right, mm-hmm. and it still doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And you make decisions that are really, you know, only one party is going to be satisfied. And, you know, and I know that there are, and, you know, and you feel them, and it's, and you wish you could go back. And I think Kel feels the same way with um, Nick and family, you know, that how can I, what could I have done, you know, self-evaluate. And, you know, we, we thought we did everything. We felt we did everything. You know, what could we have done, you know, to, to keep him here, to retain him, you know, and I've lost athletes over the years um, that there was a fallout and it didn't end, you know, it, it, we didn't part friends. Uh-huh. And and I think every coach involved over time and you know has that whether it's yeah it's a lot of you know, large some, numbers it's just going to happen once in a while. So you know taking that into consideration, like I 
I, you know, I, I know that there are people that left unsatisfied from my program. Um, and you, you always hope that somehow you can have reconciliation or, or some type of, of, um, you know, closure. So understanding that, you know, I, I, I think that, um, absolutely, you know, every people make their personal choices and I would hope that I would, I would have no problem sending an athlete to Penn State, and, you know, I'd be honored to send an athlete to Penn State. Yeah, I'm glad you made that last sentence because that's what I was about to say is, you know, me reading the tea leaves there is like you feel really good about how they treated Nick. And, you know, I, I you know, Coach, you, you've coached a long time, so I certainly don't need to, to give you even 1% advice, but coaches recruit talent. They do their due diligence. They do their homework. And they also do their homework on coaches, high school coaches and programs. And I, I really wouldn't lose any sleep worrying about whether or not Penn State will continue to knock on your door. I mean, you're doing a great job and that's going to happen. One of the questions I kind of, you know, kind of glossed over was following the end of the school year in May until the decision was made. What was, what is your understanding of the communication that went on between uh, the, the coaching staff of Penn State and the Sertiano family? Um, my understanding uh, was that there there were you know, multiple attempts um, to reconcile to make sure that Soriano family was in a good place and certainly encouraged to come back. After the decision was made, um, I don't feel there was any animosity or bitterness on on the um, you know, on, on the Penn State side, you know, disappointed, um, you know, understandably so. Sure. But I, but I think that, you know, the thought was, you know, we're, now we have to get past it and we don't wish any ill will. And I think right up to the 11th hour, the door was open for Nick to go back. And I, but I think by that point, um, it was too far along. And, um, you know, the idea of coming home and representing and, and being at Rutgers, um, you know, became a, a much bigger objective. Sure. And and that kind of leads me to the last, you know, subject I want to talk to you about. Rutgers getting Nick is obviously a huge get for them. You know, they, they already had a good team, and obviously you know about that with the kids you have on that roster. I'm sure you follow it more closely than the average fan, even the average New Jersey fan. And this really increases their profile in terms of credibility, both 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 in competing, but also with recruiting. And recruiting obviously directly impacts competing. So as a New Jersey guy, um, you know, taking all the emotion out of, of the Penn State thing and obviously understanding you feel really, really good about how he was treated by Penn State, how do you feel about Rutgers, you know, sort of being, you know, on the on the climb? You know, for Rutgers, you know, looking at the state forums and the press that's coming out, you know, there's everyone is hyped for Nick's return. Um, you know, and Nick has stated, you know, that he is, you know, he is taking on, you know, the role. He's he wants to be the spokesperson for keeping our talent in state. Um, and, you know, arguably, you know, um, you know, I, I know my opinion, 
but arguably you know, he's the greatest wrestler to ever represent on the high school level. You know, he's certainly then, in the conversation, and, and, no doubt. Yeah. And then enter into college, you know, and so one of one so as as a you know giving like an example or like a microcosm of a thing like going coaching at Bergen Catholic for years and having talented athletes um, taking them down to the state tournament, you know, going down uh, with that anticipation that they're going to have a great tournament, that they're going to medal, and that if things break right, you know, they're going to be in the finals. And we had we, we had finalists, we had semifinalists. Um, it, it wasn't until, like, the mid-2000s when we – when had a, we had our first state champ, Joey Trouse, under um, he was second Bergen Catholic state champ, um, my first state champ at Bergen Catholic. Okay. You know, and but then when you're going down there um, with someone that's a, a returning champ or a favorite, yeah. it's a whole different. It is. Know, it's coach. a whole different dynamic. <laughs> that's right. And, it is. For and sure. then, and then you take it to the next level. You know, I had Joey was a two-timer. Um, I had Johnny Sebastian who was a three-timer. Um, you know, that was kind of like the evolution. Um, and Johnny was, you know, Johnny was very, you know, he was a high percentage kid and he was the favorite. Uh, Nick kind of up to Andy just a little more. Like, you know, with he seemed just invincible. So when you're going to, you know, a national or state level tournament, Going out to the Doc Buchanan and going down to the Beast, and you have that, you, and you have that odds-on favorite. You know, it, it's it's just different, and um, I think that uh, you know our run of state champions like Joe Grello, Kevin Mulligan, Shane Griffith, who were all two timers in that, you know, in in Nick's during Nick's career, you know, the energy, the confidence that you know are established mm. in the teammates, you know, from that. From that success, yeah, it has to influence the culture of the room, and I think that will happen at Rutgers. And you have a guy breaking through. You know, Anthony Ashnall. Now you have Nick. Um, it, it'll it'll change the culture of the room. Yeah, I think, you know, one of the couple of the coaches I'm friends with at the Division One level call call their best guy suit guys. You know, they're the reason you pack a suit for Saturday night. And, you know, Nick's obviously a suit guy. You know, I mean, when, you know, you, you had a chance to wear whatever you wear in the finals at every tournament for four years. And, you know, the past doesn't guarantee the future. But when your only loss in the season was to a guy that ended up being the world silver medalist and you right. shut out the guy that ended up beating him and becoming a national champion, you know, the odds of Nick going deep into the tournament certainly are very, very high. So, you know, for – for Coach Goodale and his staff, it's a huge get for them. I can only imagine the excitement level for the program and at the rack and, and all those things. It's yeah, got to be off the chains, right? They have created, you know, a great environment down there. You know, they went from wrestling at College Avenue. Okay. Um, I, I remember, I think at the beginning, um, it could have been like three or four scholarships they had. Uh, at the beginning of, of Coach Goodell's tenure. Um, oh, so they weren't fully funded? Not not the very beginning, no. And, you know, then they were moving, you know, as they were moving towards becoming a Big Ten school, 
you know, the, the amount of scholarships increased. Um, I, I, I don't want to speak out of school. I don't want to say they had 9.9 before they were Big Ten. They may have, but certainly now they're Big Ten, they do. Okay. But when, you know, then they were wrestling in College Avenue Gym, which is an old facility. Um, got, it has character, uh, balcony around, um, some small stands or attack, <clears throat> affixed stands on the first level. Decent environment, but not the fitting of, of a Big Ten, of a Big Ten program. Now that they moved into the rack, you know, they have, it's, it, it's very well attended. Um, a lot of excitement in there, and uh, you know, and New Jersey people are, re- are really proud of their program. As, yeah, yeah, I've re- I recruited all over the country, and New Jersey people are probably as proud of where they're from as as anybody in the country. <laughs> it's true that old Saturday Night Live skit, if you remember, uh, you're from Jersey, I'm from Jersey. Yeah, there's something about being from New Jersey. Yeah, yeah, it's I, you know, it's and and you know, I've had guys on the team for you know in junior college two years, and you know, there's a lot of long bus rides, and I mean, I remember actually sitting with a kid going, you know, like I'm from St. Louis, and I'm proud to be from St. Louis. I'm certainly proud of my parents, and you know, who I'm, you know, who who brought me into this world, and you know, proud of some of my accomplishments, but you know, I don't stick out my chest to be like, you know, St. Louis, Missouri, greatest place on earth, you know, and if you don't agree with me, you're wrong. <laughs> and, and and I think that is the the attitude of so many people from New Jersey. So, you know, Coach, it's 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 first of all, it's a pleasure to talk to you. You know, I've followed you as, from a distance for years, and you know, recruiting junior college, I knew we were never going to get anybody out of Bergen because you prep those kids academically so well. Um, appreciate you shedding so much light on the situation and I'm just going to give the floor to you for the last statement because it sounds like you really want to wish Rutgers, Penn State and Nick all the best. David, it was really a pleasure speaking with you. You made it, you made it very easy. You made it very comfortable. Um, you know, Nick, he has a, certainly has a special place in, you know, in, in my career, in, in my heart and, you know, he was a tremendous competitor, maybe a once in a lifetime competitor. Um, you know, and he deserves to achieve all his goals. And, you know, and I, I know with his work ethic and his drive, you know, he's one of those kids that he's, he really can't be denied. Um, to Penn State, you know, they've been great throughout this process and it, it, it was, you know, it, it was traumatic for them. And, uh, and I, pains me to see the, you know, a lot of the, I wouldn't say so much the national forums. I haven't really looked at the national forums, but the New Jersey forums, um, kind of dragging his character and, you know, and, you know, program, you know, through the mud, which I, I, unless you know the particulars and you kind of see things from all different perspectives, it's, it's just not fair. So, you know, I'm sure they'll be fine. And, uh, and for Rutgers, you know, for my guys, you know, I, I have, I have potentially five starters on the team. So, for, <laughs> wow. so that's crazy. So for them to be down, <clears throat> for them to be down there and be united as a team, you know, it doesn't only represent, um, Rutgers and New Jersey well, but, you know, it says a lot for, you know, it, it, it um, it reverberates back to our program. So, you know, 
I, and I've known those guys, the Rutgers coaches for years, you know, from back when Scott was a high school coach and, you know, Joe Pollard and I have traveled to Fargo, you know, many, many years together. Um, John Leonardo's back when he was at Petty and, um, you know, they're, they're good friends and good people. So hopefully everyone walks away and all animosity kind of fades and everyone goes about their business and, and has the success they deserve. I don't think I could say it any better than that, Coach. So, um, you know, thanks so much for your time. The next time I come to Jersey, I'm definitely going to bug you and see if I can, you know, visit with you and, and buy you a drink. And um, I'm going to make a point of finding you uh, in Cleveland at Nationals come March. I will be there. And please, if you're in New Jersey, um, you're welcome to our room. Um, and I would love to. I would love to meet up with you. Yeah, I'm sure you'd be as excited about me coming as when when Coach Sanderson called. I'm sure we're on the same level. So. We're right. We're right there. Right there. One B. Right. One A and one B. <laughs> yeah. So, ladies and gentlemen, that was Coach Dave Bell from Bergen Catholic. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great day. Thank you, Dave. is part of the Matt Talk Podcast Network. For more wrestling podcasts, head over to matttalkonline.com.